0: hey what's going on guys it's Kevin. This is a Save Room. I got kind of a special episode for you here today. This is a uh, one-on-one interview that I did with a friend of the show by the name of Sterling. Uh, Sterling actually writes for a site called Gamesavvy.net. It's out there in Ottawa, Ontario. I hear it gets cold there. But go ahead, check out his writing. He writes about Fire Emblem. He writes about Final Fantasy. He's got some good stuff up there and also encourage you to give him a follow-over on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at Silver Sterling. Replace that e with a three that's some trendy shit that's some like early 2000 stuff right there uh yeah so this entire uh conversation well first of all i need to apologize in that we recorded this like three months ago but uh, my schedule has been so fucking nightmarish i haven't been able to get it out and we recorded so much content i had to split the episode so this is gonna be a, a part oneer. For you out there but uh yeah we we had some cool conversation very cool guy lots of interesting opinions uh we got into a little bit about final fantasy 13 versus 15 that's fun and then we also ended up talking about of course resident evil because every episode of the save room uh degrades into a conversation about capcom games but uh, Sterling appreciate you being on the show guys would appreciate if you like follow subscribe do whatever call to action you need to you can find us on soundcloud.com slash the save room show or spotify or itunes or google play or stitcher or rss feeds uh in places i i don't know i don't know where you find them it, it's all nebulous to me but hey hope you enjoy the episode thank you and uh good night no that's not right All righty. So, this is technically an episode of The Save Room. Hi, everybody. My name is Kevin. Daniel is off doing his thing. He's slinging some coffees as hard as possible. That's what he loves to do on his weekends. Uh, Tweet at him and send him love about coffee. But today's very special because I'm joined by a guest. Sterling has been, well, we've been following each other. We've been mutuals, as the kids say on Twitter. Uh, we we are both content creators uh, out there in the wild, and he does uh, some writing for Gamesavvy.net. Do you mm-hmm. want to give the kids at home kind of uh, some perspective of, uh, of the
1: good work that you do over there? So Gamesavvy <laughs> is a Canadian, uh, <laughs> just gaming <laughs> website. Uh, I met the creator because he also lives in the same city as me, and I was looking to get into the business basically our shtick is that like we want to give people their first like baby steps into the industry we want to have fun while we're doing it and uh hopefully like create something big out of it like 2019 has been insanely busy for us we're really we've really caught our wind and uh me personally i'm just the the main nintendo writer there Uh, i also obviously dabble into some other stuff uh, like playstation and and even some Xbox every now and then but but yeah that's my thing that's what I do awesome I, I, I appreciate you taking the
0: time to come on to this uh this show that is primarily supported by people we know in real life and no one else <laughs> just to let you know exposure's not happening your way there' sterling <laughs>
1: uh, yeah every time we stream we're like oh we can't wait for like people to watch us and like the five people who watch are always like just game savvy people we just want to watch each other play games (laughs) that 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 happened to me and daniel the other
0: night he was streaming uh resident evil 2 and Mm -hmm. he he decided that like hey i'm gonna do like a late night stream and get all these horror fans into the into the chat and it ended up being just me watching him play while i was playing and we were just keeping each other company even though we live in the same
1: house (laughs) same thing i was playing resident evil streaming it the other night and i look and i'm like Five people are watching me and then it's like <laughs> like literally Tyler, Emily, Steven and like two other people that work at GameStop were like, "Hey, it's us." And we're, I was just like I wasn't like disappointed cuz it's fucking like fun and cool that they're watching but i was like of course it's just you guys like
0: yeah, the 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 regulars at this point which, which is fine they always tell you like if you're streaming act like you're streaming to an audience even if you know you're by yourself you know because there may be a point where somebody stumbles onto your channel and goes like let me look at this guy's past broadcast just to get a sense of them and if you're out there still doing your thing even when there's like just one person in the chat you know that's that's still something man so i i I definitely my advice for people that are trying to get into that it is a very oversaturated market when it comes to streaming but you just have to be tenacious you just got to keep going for it you have to like not get discouraged because i've had it where i started with absolutely nothing and i ended up getting to twitch affiliate status with like how consistent that i would stream and then i have some regulars that come in that i don't know in real life which is gratifying that somebody comes in just say like hey dude your stuff is cool, like, is is the reason why I keep going back to
1: it. Some of the greatest advice I ever got, and, like, I never stream, like, I think I've streamed, like, three or four times, is that with streaming, people always get discouraged by low numbers, right? Like, oh, there's only five people watching me, 10, like, 20. But could you imagine if there was 20 people in a room with you just watching you play video games? Like, how hyped that would be. How, like, <laughs> incredible it would be to literally just get, 20 people to to enjoy being around you let alone watching you play something and enjoying it you really got to be proud of yourself and like it seems like a small feat but it's really really not this is a perfect opportunity real quick uh where where can the audience find your streaming endeavors uh so i stream on the game savvy twitch it's just uh game savvy net so i twitch.tv slash game savvy net it's a bunch of us that do it on there but, and sometimes it's me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I always think about that too. Where it's like, yeah, imagine if there are these people that are in your chat or here in real life.
1: Like when you're playing games with friends, like when it's hype, like maybe you've had a few drinks in you, maybe you're playing Smash and you're on a hot streak and you're just freaking out. Like you got to bring that into your stream, that level of energy. And I think I've dealt with that kind of personally, even though I've only done it a few times, is like just sitting there and it's like, Oh crap, I haven't spoken in like 10 minutes. Like what am I doing? <laughs> it definitely helps you like like being spontaneous and uh with improv. That's what I
0: yeah, like you you just have to not be self-conscious about like let me just spill whatever thoughts are in my head onto the stream. Because exactly. that's just, that's going to kind of like, you know, grease that fire as you go along. I, I think it also helps, like, maybe <clears throat> watch stuff like Mystery Science Theater, where they, like, riff on stuff, you know, mm-hmm. where they always have some sort of quip. Like, to, you know, watch stuff like that, and then it kind of encourages encourages you to be like, hey, I'm going to interact with what I'm actually playing. But that's exactly. why I also get, like, Kind of selective about what I play. If I know it's going to be like super narrative heavy, that may not be super interesting for the audience as much as the game might be really good. Because I'm constantly be getting like interrupted by cutscenes, and I feel bad for like talking over a cutscene in case the audience comes in and actually wants to check out the game in some form or fashion. So there, yeah. there's a balance to that, you know. I think that's why Fortnite's probably like number one on the ranking because it's like there's no story to mess with it's all personality and shooting at stuff
1: yeah
0: are you by the way are you a fan of the the Fortnite? i i always wonder i ask my contemporaries all the time
1: i play it every now and then like Mm -hmm. a couple times a month but besides that like i only play it like i Mm -hmm. never play it by myself only if maybe some friends want to play it just does not hold my attention multiplayer games usually don't Mm mm-hmm it, like it it's just the perfect storm for why it's so popular it's a shooter it's a multiplayer has a childish art style it became popular with kids and that just feeds into itself but uh for me personally it just it just does not hold my attention long enough thank you <laughs> that that's where i'm at like i i have i have
0: like i have no disrespect for the game whatsoever it it's just a recognized through a few sessions this definitely is not for me yeah the building mechanic while it's cool it's something that i don't necessarily want to worry about in an online shooter you know because i feel like i get lost doing that where i'm like hey how how big of a staircase can i make and then suddenly i get sniped from a thousand miles away and i'm
1: like oh well there goes my fun (laughs) so and it's also the case of like you know there's like thousands of people that are ridiculously good at this game like you have no chance of winning And honestly, like, uh, I think I played a game a few days ago, and I just played that fun, and this guy just started getting so pissed at me. I was like, man, I'm just... I'm just trying to play this game like leave me alone.
0: I've had that so much. Like so okay, I I play I do play a lot of online multiplayer games, but not because I consider myself like oh, I'm competitive and and that's the kind of longevity I want my like no, if a game is good, a game is good and that's why I'm playing it. If it happens to be online, then there we go. <laughs> uh but I get dissuaded so hard. Like I remember uh trying to jump into Red Dead Online and that was just like it was like living in the purge everybody was murdering each other everybody was lassoing each other everybody's griefing to the point where like people are chasing me to my camp and just waiting outside of it so they can all like 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 a posse of people so they can murder me and that's me.
1: kind of scary oh my it's God.
0: horrible it was like a horror game i tried to tell people like this is not a cowboy game anymore this is <laughs> this is an action survival game
1: <laughs> that's like uh like, literally sitting on a bonfire and, like, seeing, like, wolves on the edge of the light, like, just waiting for you. That's the perfect way to describe competitive online players. They're just a pack of wolves waiting for <laughs> waiting for you to be alone. Literally just, like, waiting for some kid to come in the lobby and be like, Like, Mom, I'm playing Fortnite! And then they just get wrecked by, like, this 32-year-old dude who, like, plays this game eight hours a day. I, I wish I had that kind of
0: time on my hands to, like, get good at a game like that. But I just, I, the, I'm, the, I'm like a mood gamer. Me and Daniel talk about this all the time. I go where my mood takes me. So I end up yeah. playing a lot of different games. Sometimes I do like, oh, hey, there's a sale online. I'm picking up a game from 2013 that I never checked out. Like I jumped all over the place yeah. you know, with, with my interest. So I, I can never just dedicate myself to like, I'm going to get Really good at Black Ops 4? Like, no, that's not going to happen.
1: That's not going to (laughs) happen. What games you're good at totally depends on what you played as a kid, right? I think it'd be funny to, like, have your own kid now and kind of, like, I don't know, personally select what games they play. So, like, my little Tommy's going to be really good at Smash. I'm just going to make him play that. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) else. Yeah, kind of like like how
0: parents curate their kid where they're just like, hey, so we're going to turn you into a football player. It seems like you got a a nice arm on you. So if you see a kid playing Fortnite, it's like, hey, man, you better start practicing. You're going to make us some cash.
1: Exactly. Because, like, I played... A lot of rpgs as a kid you can't really be good at rpgs but you can be very proficient so that's what i like to do and like i just wonder like how different my life would have been if i only played like call of duty or something or not my life but my gaming life because like you said like you just don't have time now as an adult to get good at games at least not to a degree where you could play even semi-professionally it's just not possible Unless you literally like go to work, come home, and play games for eight hours a day, just that game.
0: Yeah, and and that balance it gets yeah, as you said, it gets tougher as you get older, especially as people start to have families and your jobs start to take over. I know that that's that, that's kind of something I want to talk about too, because it's not it's not that that we just play games, you and I. It's that we also. Uh, like commenting on games and making content around games and talking about it so like how the hell do you manage it like it's not our full time uh, spiel I think that becomes a little bit tougher too, where you're playing games and you're like oh man I got to probably like write about this game or, or like talk about it on a podcast So I got to put some time in this. Where do you set like lines where it's like, this is the balance of what I'm going to do, or this is what I'm going to target because I know that I have to hit like maybe a deadline or something.
1: It, oh God. It's such a hard question because <laughs> yeah. first of all, like I'm very, very spontaneous. Like that's just my, my overall nature. And second of all is that I'm not like the boss of game savvy. I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't own it. It was Tyler that created it and everything. But like I said, Tyler's so busy that, like, I kind of run everything, publishing the articles, doing the social media, asking people what they're up to, like, trying to give them ideas, talking to everyone on the daily. Because when I joined, it was just me and Tyler, just the two of us. And then by E3, there was three of us. Then at the end of the year, there was 12 of us. Now we're in the February. Now there's 20 of us. Oh, holy shit. It's kind of like, what do I delegate to other people? What am I going to take for myself? And, you know, I'm just going to have to guess whatever the hell I'm in the mood to play and write about. There was tons of games. I was like, oh, man, I want to play this so bad. And then I was like, nope, I'm going to pick up Resident Evil 2 and let that take over. And like (laughs) I knew I wanted that game, but like I didn't think I'd dedicate that much time to it. Like, it was just what I wanted to play at the time. Gotcha. But, yeah, so
0: you, you still, like, that's your dividing rod. It's like, hey, this is still, like, the hobby that I enjoy. I'm still going to, like, reap enjoyment from
1: it. <laughs> exactly. Know? Like, I, I never say, like, Anthem's coming out soon. Like, the beta's going on right now. And people are in our group chat. It's like, oh, who's going to play uh, the Anthem beta? It's going to be really big. We should write about it. And I was like, no. I am not going to, like, touch that game. I'm not interested... Because my philosophy is that I'm only writing about things that I really enjoy or really care about or am interested in. I feel like if I didn't do that, my content would suffer incredibly. Like, I tried writing a negative article once, and I quit, like, a paragraph in. I was like, I don't like this. Like, I don't want to, like, spend the next five hours just shitting on a game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that, that that's something that uh, needs to get touched on,
0: too, because we see that sometimes in games media, especially with the bigger publications, it's like they assign people that may not have an interest in it. It's just that that's the person that they assign to go, you know, play FIFA and write a review or or what have you. And I I feel like sometimes that comes through. And that's why I personally try to, like, to keep in mind who's actually like writing something and does it align with their interest? And then I might be able to get like, you know something where it's closer to this is going to be the definitive like review that i might be able to suss out and see if i actually enjoy something whereas like i'm not gonna read something where somebody's like yeah i've never i've never played fire emblem but i'm reviewing it it's like oh (laughs) i don't know if i really want to read that
1: (laughs) i i i don't know if you want to have this discussion but like i'm ready to throw down about like people that complain about objectivity in reviews
0: Oh fuck yeah! Okay, so here, here,
1: <laughs> I always talk about this. Give it to me. I've only written probably like five or six reviews. Like, like it's just a money thing for me. I just can't afford to buy new games all the time. My thing is that you just you you can't be objective. The video <laughs> games are art. What about art is objective? It's technical. It's that that's pretty much it. It's just tech, technicality. You could talk about like frame rate. Maybe how good the game looks. If it runs properly. But then you get into subjectivity. Genre. Art style. uh, Gameplay. uh, Voice acting. Stuff like that. And no matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're me writing for Game Savvy. Or Jason Schreier writing for Kotaku. You have preferences. And those preferences are automatically. No matter what. Going to melt into your review. No matter what. Because. Because. If I'm Jason Schreier, and I don't like JRPGs and I'm about to go review uh, l- like let's say Final Fantasy 16 that just came out, you're probably not going to be in the best mood about doing that cuz you're not excited to play this game. I don't know anybody like who's ever just reviewed a game cuz they're like whatever, I don't care about it. Like I don't care if it's good or bad. I like I've just never met anyone like that. You have personal preferences, you have opinions going in Everybody reads a, a book by its cover. Like, I don't care what you say. I don't know. What do you think?
0: That, so here's what I like to always say, which is if you want an objective review, don't have a human write it. That's it. Because there's no way that a person's bias will just completely not leak through in a review. In fact, you want that bias. You want somebody who has had a history with games or a genre to give you their informed opinion based off the fact that they have that experience with it. I wouldn't want like this this review. It's like I'm coming in, I don't, I don't see the comparison. Like say I, I take on Kingdom Hearts 3, never played any of the others, don't care about them, and then just start shitting on it for the things that it like doesn't do in your mind, even though you don't have that context for the rest of the series. Yeah. I don't think that's a really intriguing
1: review. And my thing is that like everyone I don't call myself a games journalist. I just say I'm a writer. So in game journalism, the tippity-top is IGN, right? So everyone says, like, oh, it must be your dream to work at IGN. And then I always say, I don't know. Like, mm. would I really want to work at that corporate of a company? Like, there's so much bullshit that seems to come with it, right? And I think uh, with the video game journalism in general, uh, Video Game donkey said it the best. If you're going to IGN, Bingo, you've just hit the fucking lottery. You don't know, like, who's writing what review. You don't know (laughs) who's, like, who likes what. Uh, Are they representing themselves or this company? Um, But, like, let's say I go to Pro Jared. I know what he likes. I know what he doesn't like. And you can kind of gauge yourself from there. If he's a huge Final Fantasy fan and a new Final Fantasy game comes out and he is bound to like it but doesn't, you know it's a shit game. You Mm -hmm. know what people like. And if it doesn't meet their expectations, maybe they're not their expectations aren't the same as yours, but you still know what exact standard they have to what a good game is and what isn't. I agree. And I, I, I think
0: um there we've seen a shift, especially in the last, I would say, 10 or so years uh yeah. from from going from like, oh, IGN reviewed X, Y and Z to it turns into, oh, Greg Miller reviewed this or or you know, somebody else reviewed this, it's more about the personality behind it, because we're shifting, There's, that's a huge shift. That's why YouTube is so popular, it's why Twitch is popular, is that the personalities are the ones that we're actually going to for opinions, for guidance, for that influence funny that we call them influencers huh (laughs) so i i think that means more to me to know that like hey jason is writing this and i already have a sense that like he loves fallout but he didn't like fallout 4 for whatever reasons so let's see what he thinks about this now like i get that i feel like that context makes sense because you can't just have this mechanical review where it goes like art style 7.5 in comparison to what man That was the point that this game was like cell shaded. So why are are, are you comparing it to Call of
1: Duty? (laughs) You know, there's no such thing as like
0: objectivity there.
1: We have been arguing about that for the past year at Game Savvy. Like, how are we gonna do reviews? What standard are we gonna hold them to? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, are we gonna put a review score? And my thing with review scores is hell no. (laughs) Because like, let's say I'm some guy at Capcom, some lonely dev, like excited to get my, my first gig doing a game and we put out the game. I've put a ton of time, my full heart into it, but the game gets like uh, a 7.3. And my boss said that I only get my bonus if the game gets a minimum of 7.5. I don't want to be the guy that, that, that uh, chooses if it gets a 7.5 and this guy who works his ass off got his bonus for the year and maybe he can take his family out. Like, i don't want to be that guy not at all and and plus as a writer between you and me how many reviews do you check out where you literally scroll to the bottom check the number bingo bango, done
0: hell i i've broken that habit but i tell you what i do it for ign because i'm just like eh, <laughs> let's exactly. see what they yeah like what do they think because like obviously that's a metric that they choose to use to mean one thing or another and honestly i don't even think it's a good metric for 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 media like that for games a video game does very many different things very many different things and there's no two games that you can just say like oh these are you know like if you take a jrpg and an fps and go like okay this 10 is better than this 10 like how does that conversation make sense You, you you got to that uh conclusion For very different reasons across it. So, how do I compare that? How do I say that, oh, this eight makes more sense over here, but this is a nine because, well, uh, I don't know, actually. I like the previous game. (laughs) Like,
1: it's all over the place. Even if I put like a scale of one to ten and for each number wrote like a book about what fits into this like number slot, I still feel like that's too subjective in a way. Like even if I described every aspect of a game, here's why I think it is. It gets a nine because this whole reason that I judge all my games on. How are you comparing a racing game to a JRPG that might get the same number? Like it just doesn't make sense.
0: No. So for me, I I like the content of a review. Like I go for like let's let's actually see the dissection itself. What what works and what doesn't are things that I'm okay with. Like that's. That makes sense because the context is we're talking about this one game. We're not talking about every FPS that ever came out or every racing game that came out. We're talking about this. And if it's a sequel, then that's extra context. We need that context of here's what part one did, here's what part two tried to improve. That is needed. You know, so like I don't care about your score. Tell me what's different, what works, what makes sense, and what you would rather have seen or thought that would really improve. Uh, the developers, help them get to their goal. You know, I feel like that's a much more valuable take than just going like, eh, it's a 7.3. It's like, well, what the fuck is the difference between a 7.3 and a 7.5? Uh, mm, there's this one menu I didn't
1: like. (laughs) Like, what? What? (laughs) What? Exactly. (laughs) Have you seen, uh, I've seen Kingdom Hearts 3 has been getting kind of a bit of a backlash lately. I've just seen a lot of people saying they aren't, very happy with it that it's just technically not that impressive it's too short uh not worth the 10-year wait like and and people have said like i'm trying to like contain my hype and what i expected it just wasn't what i wanted now like you said context for that matters so much so if i'm writing the review and i give the game a four out of ten like you gotta have some context why i think that and like i'm gonna put that in my review
0: uh because a part of that discussion in itself is hey this isn't just a game that like was a follow-up to something that came out three years ago it's been 13 years since we got the last kingdom hearts so it's like there's also kind of a level of expectation and you have to understand that it's like if somebody's coming at it as a super fan and writing about it they may come from that bias they may be like hey i expected like well, a game that felt like it took thirteen years to make, not like three and a half or or what have you. But what does that even mean, you know? Like what does that mean behind the scenes? It's like, uh, this game took ten years to make so I expect it to be nothing but quality. And it's like, um, if a game took 10 years to make, that's probably a pretty goddamn tumultuous development cycle where it probably had a lot of false starts. It probably had a lot of development hiccups. It might have changed hands a bunch, new tech. And that explains. In fact, if you told me that it took 13 years to make a game, I'd be like, ooh, what's it actually going to be? <laughs> you yeah, know? I, and- I feel like we saw the same thing with Final Fantasy 15, where it's like, uh... Some of this feels like a PS2 game.
1: You sure oh, you were yeah. making this? I waited. I did the waiting for that game. Let me tell you a story. Let me... Give it to curl me. Curl up and let me let me tell you. I fucking waited for that game. And release day, November 29th, 2016. I go, I take my friend Casey, we go to EB Games here in Canada. Uh, midnight release, I'm waiting in line for the game. I eventually get to... Well, I go to the front first and tell them, like, I'm here to pick up my game. They say, okay, uh, sign this out. It's, a, it's a, a contest to win a free copy of the game and a free custom Final Fantasy 15 PS4. Oh. Like, get in the back of the line. I stand there for five minutes. All I hear is, Berlin Gilham, I want to just say my name. And they say it louder. I'm like, yo, what's up? And they're like, you won. Oh. I'm like, What? They're like, yeah, you won the PS4 and the, the game. I'm like, this is insane. So I got a free PS4 and two copies of the game. Because I still bought, I still like, I paid for the game already. <laughs> Gave my copy to my friend. Took the free one that was like a special edition. Everything for this game was set up perfectly for me to enjoy. it. I get home. I play that fucking game for 150 hours. I did not like it. I did not enjoy (laughs) it. I hated it. I hate people that like that game. I hate it so much.
0: Oh, jeez, buddy. All right. All right. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. The save save room, our stance is, we side with the boys. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what does that mean
0: we side with the boys my boy noctis my boy ignis my boy glad no! <laughs> my boy prompto is <laughs> no i i totally understand where you're coming from in that game like we we can get into that a little bit but yeah i actually enjoy that game despite it being like uh unfinished uh kind of nonsensical in a lot of ways. Pa- like first of all when you get to the third act it's just like what the am i am i supposed to like walk away with my own interpretation or is it exactly what i thought it was you didn't fucking finish this
1: (laughs) my main thing with the game right Mm -hmm. so final fantasy 15 whole marketing thing big open world game so much to see so much to do final fantasy you get to drive around hang out with your buds yada 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 you get there what the fuck is there to do (laughs) you could go to gas stations man (laughs) it's an empty open world there's nothing to do sure there's a fishing mini game you can go do the ten hundred fucking thousand hunting mission to hunt the same iteration of the monster that's it there's no interesting side quests there's no basically interesting npcs uh all the towns are the same yeah they look different but you do the exact same thing in every town like, it's just empty to me. There's nothing to do. Yeah, there's personality. It's beautiful. It's a Final Fantasy game. Of course it is. But there's just nothing to do.
0: Now, I listen, I feel you on the criticisms. I can't even argue. It's like some of those missions are you walk up to a guy in a gas station and he goes, there's monsters out there, fucking 500 paces outside. Why don't you go take care of them?" I'm like, okay, I will. The boys run through the desert, take care of the antler monsters, come back. And he goes, ah, oh, you did such a good job. Do it again. And then the same mission part two pops up on the screen. And you're like, you motherfucker.
1: Oh. So, <laughs> here's the thing. So every RPG has combat, right? Most but, of them do. Final Fantasy XV combat's not fun. Because no. you can just hold the circle button to dodge everything. To dodge, like, literally, you can stand there, hold circle... <laughs> every attack that comes at you you automatically dodge now they fix that by having the mp meter right you can only dodge for so long uh your mp meter depletes and then you're done you're you're on your own you can warp and it automatically goes back up the, to 100 percent, and then you yeah. can just warp back into the fight yeah fuck yeah <laughs> that, that's not combat that's not fun that's that's literally baby mode on every
0: monster. What's funny is the, the, the game that they released does very certainly feel like they had a playground and it seems like the devs tooling around. And at a certain point they're like, hey, when's that release date? It's like we moved it for like 17 years. We have
1: to release this. And it's like, I'm not done with it. And it's like, no, yeah.
0: we have to sell it.
1: Everything just felt so like half-assed to me. Yeah to me the game is just not final fantasy when it opens and it says a final fantasy for longtime fans and newcomers i want to cross out longtime fans <laughs> i don't like and i am not it's married aspects. to the whole like first six games where there's boring ass dungeons like same old towns stuff like that like mm-hmm. that's not what a final fantasy game is to me it felt very much that they were just like Okay, open world games are popular now. How do we do this in a Final Fantasy setting? To me, it's just not fun. It is the one game I think I will argue with people on their opinion. Like any game, you can like any game in my books. But that's my special, that's my special anger fuck you game. One game I will argue with people is not a good game. Oh, and we like,
0: all we all have that
1: one, man. We yeah. all have
0: that one that's like, I don't care what the fuck you say. This game is not doing it for me. No, I get you. I totally get you.
1: And I'm that guy who's like, like my true belief is that there was no bad game out there, just bad game design and clearly bad like uh executive problems that were chosen like behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And and like obviously it's the same with Final Fantasy 15. It's not a horrible game but i feel like my personal attachment to it is justified in some way to make me not like it Mm -hmm. and if you want to take me like Like, take that away from me. I'll see you in the goddamn streets. I'll see you in the street. I'll see you in court. (laughs) This is fucking...
0: (laughs) No, I I feel you. Again, I come from the stance where I actually enjoyed my time with that game. And it was weird. We had a review episode a couple years back for it. And we were talking about it. And most of it, us just kind of, like, leveling all of the problems in the game. And then we look at each other and go, like, yeah, but we still really enjoyed it, didn't we? And it's like, yeah, I don't know why, but we did (laughs) i don't know how we did it but we did the, yeah the thing the thing is i could see the game that it could have been within 15 first exactly. of all i think it, i think it's confusing that they called it 15 they should have honestly just stuck with versus 13 just to get it like removed from fans minds this is experimental entry it's not going to replace like the core final fantasy experience and then square enix was like fuck that if we put a 15 on this we'll sell more
1: exactly have you seen, there's been like, there's multiple videos on what Versus 13 was going to be in the end product and like the story and stuff. Because like that game sounded interesting. That sounded cool. And like, I don't remember that much of the gameplay that was shown, but just the story alone sounds so much more unique and original than just another Final Fantasy story. No, I, I remember
0: dude, I remember the first screenshots for the game when they were calling it Versus thirteen. It was it was Noctis and a few others, but it was mostly in the city and yeah. and it, it looked like um God, what it, it looked like just a like a Yakuza game almost or, or something. It was just so modernistic and was like, hey, this is this is not your typical Final Fantasy stories, which they were selling it as. And I was like, that's cool. I would like to see that. And then mm-hmm. it turned into, oh, it's a Final Fantasy game now. What? What? It is? It's It's a full-on? Okay. <laughs> when, did, when was that decision made? I think going forward, I, again, I, I, I could see where the elements that made sense and what they could buckle down on. But if they were to go for a 16, granted that it's not an MMO, uh, if they go after the open world again i think that's fine but you need to make it interesting like you're saying it's like these quests are nothing your open world is empty and i think that's that's a fucking crime you don't deserve to have an open world game if you got nothing going on in it and you especially don't deserve to have an open world game if your car mechanics are bullshit i
1: hated that oh man i got so much to talk about right now okay uh so I remember the first time I, like, got the plane upgrade or whatever, like, your car turns into, like, a hovercraft. Yes. I was like, okay, okay. And then I went to land. I, like, didn't land properly, and I'm still driving, and then the game over screen comes up. I, by landing it? <laughs> yeah, because, like, if you don't land properly, your car crashes, and it, like, breaks the car. I was like, I have to become like a pilot now <laughs> to land this car? <laughs> to land the goddamn
0: regalia. No, I had that happen to me multiple times. There's this one area in the game uh, where Piteous Dungeon is located, which is like the most arbitrary maddening dungeon in existence not just in a final fantasy game but just in life and you have to go to this one area that there's no road there's just a weird landing strip that you can kind of see on the map so you gotta you gotta get your stupid car ship in the right position and i essentially crash landed and i was surprised that i actually survived it because usually nine times out of ten all of your boys are exploding in a fiery wreckage because that's just how it goes. And I was like, is this intended or is this like a joke? Did somebody not know that they, they added
1: wings to this car as a bonus? Like what happened? (laughs) What happened here? It, It just felt like a lot of the after content too, was stuff that should have been put into the game to begin with. Like it was, it was very clearly already planned. They just didn't have the time to implement it. And I'm, I believe that a lot of DLC was was not planned to be in the game to begin with. I don't think uh, most studios, like I think some definitely do this, but they don't say, here's the game, let's take out this chunk, resell it as DLC. Now, if we're talking about like EA or something, yeah, they probably do that, to be honest. That's their business model. <laughs> but with Final Fantasy, it, it did feel like they just said, we don't have enough time, we have all this planned out. Let's just do it with DLC, and that, I think, has mega backfired, as you can tell, by them cancelling, like, three episodes that they had planned. Yeah, I also
0: have to wonder, it, it just got confusing at a certain point, where I had I had no interest in the extra content, because I was just like, huh, uh, first of all, you had a patch to the worst areas of the game, so what does that mean? Is, yeah. Was that sitting on the cutting room floor, and you guys decided you still needed to hit that launch date, and it didn't matter? Maybe added to those cutscenes later, whatever. And then they came out with, like, you know, oh, there's going to be some extra chapters to explain shit that's missing from the game. And I'm like, why? That It's the most confusing choice when Gladio just leaves and comes yeah. back with a scar. And I'm like, wait. And you ask him, he's like, you should see the other guy. And it's like, well, what? No, Gladio. We have a goddamn mission. My father died. Yeah, to <laughs> well,
1: me, to where'd me, you go? that was him, like, Noctis being like, Oh, where were you? And him literally, like, staring at the camera, winking and being like, no, nah, you'll see soon enough. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have been
0: surprised if at that moment he winks at the camera and then you just see a, a prompt on the screen going, buy the content right now, 999.
1: <laughs> like, you fuckers. Stuff like that happened with, with Prompto and Ignis, too. Like, didn't, didn't like, Ignis get, like, blinded and, like, th- there wasn't, like, I don't know. I don't remember it that well. It wasn't memorable to me. <laughs> By the end of the game, I was like, what is going on? Like, what am I supposed to interpret from this? Like, is is there like a definitive story or is this supposed to be interpreted? I don't even know. They just released the the episode Arden thing, like a trailer. I, I think it's an episode or like an anime prologue or something. And people are like dying to see it or play it. And I'm just like, why like i had no attachment to him in the story like i didn't give a shit about him like i thought he was an awful villain he like tags along with the main characters and they're all like he's bad but we gotta trust him and i hate that in writing i hate it <laughs> i agree Killed with you totally
0: Where it was like he shows up and it's like dude he's like the devil <laughs> and everyone's like oh well I guess we just got to listen to him. Why? Why? One of you is a prince. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Uh, but I, there's just there's a charm to it. I did enjoy hanging out with those characters. I thought they had a lot of personality. I I ended up just getting kind of lost in some of the stupider elements of the game, like the fishing mini game, for instance. I actually really got into that. I was like, hey, this is like a really uh, bolstered version of Ocarina of Time's fishing course i'm gonna sit down and do this for a while (laughs) i can't fish in real life that's what video games are for is it weird that it's in a final fantasy game sure (laughs) but uh, okay we can talk about final fantasy 15 but it seems like we have to have a a post-mortem separately about this game because we got a lot of opinions here (laughs) and i need i need daniel to back me up man i need daniel to back me up about those boys
1: (laughs) i i guess i'll end it by saying i wrote a very lengthy article about Final Fantasy 13 and Final Fantasy 15 and why uh, 13 why they both have problems but why 15 is more guilty of those problems. So I'm not really like saying that 13 is better but in a way I am because I'm saying that I don't know I, I don't know if you read it but if anyone's listening and they want to check it out, I definitely go very very in depth. As to why I dis- dislike 15. Bro. I did my
0: research, Sterling, of course. I read your article and I knew it was like, damn, if I even mentioned Final Fantasy 15, <laughs> I'm going to step on a landmine. And I knew it because I was just like, dude, I like this game. I platinum that fucking game. I, I yeah. spent all the hours to do it. Uh, whereas 13, I played three hours of that game. Yeah, I, I-, I
1: platinum put- I that game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You actually it would be interesting. You need to talk to Daniel about 13 cuz he spent he beat that game over three different consoles and gave it like the full run each cuz he ne- he never owned his own copy of the game apparently, but he has gotten the platinum somehow.
1: That's wild. I I
0: don't understand how he did it. He was like, yeah, I always had a friend that had it. I'm like, holy shit, so you just refused to buy it? That's weird. You you still put the time in? Okay, but yeah, you you guys should have a powwow about that for sure. But I want to talk to you about, let's talk about some current games, man. You talked about uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 for a second. Are you playing that currently?
1: No, honest to God, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts fan. I have a lot of gripes uh, with Disney content. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, you think I would like Kingdom Hearts because there's Final Fantasy characters in it. But then I read like yesterday that there is no F- Final Fantasy characters in the third game. So I was like, I don't even want to touch it then. Like it's just and like I said, it it's it's built to be my kind of thing. Like it's a JRPG. It has a cool mm-hmm. art style. The combat looks fun. But as a writer, I just cannot respect the game that has that bad of storytelling. It's just not my cup of tea. Sterling, thank you for saying it.
0: This is why you're on the Save Room show. This is something that I've been trying to communicate. I actually picked up the game because I... Uh, well, one, I hate myself. Let me let me let you know that right now. <laughs> and so Daniel is a fan. He's the other half of the Save Room, and I'll let him be positive about it. But I picked it up out of morbid fucking curiosity, essentially. And I definitely want to talk about it on the show. I played it for the first time yesterday. And to give you some some history... I'm not the biggest Kingdom Hearts fan, but of course I picked up the first game because, oh shit, Squall is in the game? Oh shit, Titus is in the game? Like, I was the same way. I was like, Disney and Final Fantasy? How could I say no? Yeah. And I actually liked part one. I I enjoyed it. It was a simple story, a little offbeat here and there, but I was like, this is neat. This is like a neat little mashup. And then part two came out, and I got halfway through it, and I said to myself, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Who is Roxas? Is Roxas me? Is he Sora? Are they both? What? What is this? Zena? What? And like, I just I fell off with it. And since then, apparently, they came out with no less than 180 games across all sorts of platforms, including fucking (laughs) the Nokia N-Gage. The the Game Boy had a fucking Final Fantasy, and for some reason, Square Enix says all of them are integral. No,
1: (laughs) you don't tell me that a phone game is integral. Greedy. That is super yeah. greedy. We know the story of every game isn't integral, but it is. You gotta buy them all. Right. It's ridiculous. So when you boot up part
0: three, first of all, the first three hours of the game aren't even considered uh Kingdom Hearts 3. It tells you that you're playing 2.9. And I'm like, what pretentious shit is this? <laughs> what do you mean I'm playing 2.9? I don't understand. And you get into it and Oh, man, they don't even try to give you a refresher. They don't even try to catch you up on anything. It's just like Xenonort, this, Z- uh, Organization 13, uh, uh, Nobody's, Heartless, Darkness. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where the hell has Sora been? What's going yeah. on? Why is King Mickey hanging out with this dude over here that looks like, I, I don't know, who, who is Riku? <laughs> I was like, was he the first one? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm lost in the game but the the through line though is that on a gameplay basis it's really good but like I can't I can't fault it it's a really good game it's it's cute. It, it plays well. I like the action. I think they did a lot of cool things with um, you use like amusement park specials and they're actually like an extravagant thing to see on the screen that are that's kind of interactive. You're slamming X and just like destroying nobodies with a fucking park ride from Disney. And I'm like, OK, I dig on this. But then my tolerance drops entirely. When a cutscene starts, this game must think yeah. it, thinks it's a fucking Kojima Productions game or something because there's like 45 minutes of cutscenes for every five minutes of gameplay. I that don't was, get it.
1: That was a big thing I saw people saying, "Yo, this is a 30-hour game with literally 12 hours of cutscenes." And me, I like Final Fantasy 13. Final Fantasy 13 has like. 30 hours of cutscenes, <laughs> but it definitely is a not for everybody and b not a good way to make a video game, which is interactive. That's just like the whole Black Mirror Bandersnatch argument: is this a video game? Is this a movie? How do you uh, distinguish the two? And my thing is that video games should be video games and movies should be movies. But I still like games with lots of cutscenes, but it is very very much not for everybody i know a lot of people that do not like that format
0: no i totally understand that i i i've talked to some people like i love games Like, back in the day, I I enjoyed a bunch of Telltale games before they started making a Telltale game for every week of the year. Uh, And, you know, I I like Life is Strange. And then uh, there's some offbeat games that are very story-focused, like, um, God, what is it? Oxenfree. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. fan of Oxenfree. If, If you have a Switch, pick it up for the Switch. I think that's the optimal way. Uh, to play that game. Whereas, you know, I, I talked to a few people and they're like, yeah, I can't tolerate that kind of gameplay where it's like story heavy. You got to take time to pay attention, connect the threads and stuff. It's like, I don't mind that sort of thing, but I think there's a balance. And the balance would be that you need to be kind of courteous about your player's time, so if you have them sitting there with a controller just sitting on the floor for more than 15 minutes, you gotta be like, no, 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 <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's either try to convey this through gameplay, uh, whatever story we need to say, or just let them play the game until we get back to another cutscene, you know? Like, y- you gotta find that ebb and flow. I hear Kingdom Hearts gets better about it as you start working like, let's say, three worlds in, it starts to, like, dial back on the whole random organi- organization 13 members just showing up
1: i think game developers should be very wary about wasting their consumers time and i don't mean like oh, playing games is a waste of time obviously if you think that shut the fuck up yeah, exactly i mean i think it was kotaku or GameSpot that that wrote for assassin's creed odyssey uh it really picks up after 30 hours oh my god i think i'm gonna play a game for 30 hours and like be content with not having fun like what what is your kind of rubric how much time will you give a game before you're like no this is not my thing that's a good question so you got two hours
0: you got two hours on okay. on the timer and if you don't like if there isn't a gameplay loop that i'm like interested in or you know, if if it's not a good enough appetizer, I'm going to back away. I'm going to be like, this isn't for me. I could already tell. So I think yeah. game, I think you're right. Game designers need to be cognizant where it's like, you know, it's it's almost like screenwriting to an, to a degree where it's like yeah. you have to have shit cooking by the time that you get to the first complication of the second act. So you need you literally like your first 10 minutes of the film are the most integral because you only have two hours. So you need to like set up your characters, set up the complication, set up the conflict and boom, the ball is running. I feel like some video games are like, nah, we're gonna do some tutorials for the next three hours, and it's like,
1: no, don't do this to me. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like people don't realize like how differently you have to write for each medium. So with yeah, with books, books can be a slow burn. You have to do it really well to have a slow burn. But with games, uh, uh-uh. you gotta hook people. Mm-hmm. You gotta, like you said, you gotta do all those things. And have fun gameplay and teach people how to play. And like you said, two hours, I'd I'd give myself five hours. Like, my first, like, sit down with it. If I'm not, like, enjoying gameplay or I'm enticed by the story by that mark, uh uh-uh. I was definitely the type of person that was like, well, I started it, so I got to finish. Uh-uh. Don't (laughs) be wasting your time like that. Like, don't just finish something just because you have started it. Look that shit up online. Yeah, I I think I had, I definitely had
0: that mentality when I was younger and like, you know, only had a part time job and had enough time to dick around. But as an adult, like I, I totally need to recommend to people. It's like, if you're not enjoying yourself, it does not fucking matter what the next three people are telling you that you need to give it a shot, give it a shot. It's like you gave it a shot, dude. You gave it a shot and you didn't enjoy it back away, man. Time is so short. That it's just not worth spending on shit that you're not absolutely enjoying or getting the most value out of. Don't do it just because, like, you know, well, other people like it. Who cares what other people like? That's the thing. This medium has grown so much and from where it began, there are so many experiences, so many different things. There is a flavor for everyone's palate out there. It's just exactly. that you haven't hit the one that's tasty. <laughs> that's it.
1: You, we could loop it right back into like game reviews. So like, if somebody is saying like, oh, it gets good after the the thirty hour mark, or just give it some time. Uh uh-uh. uh. But if my best friend, who I know his exact tasting games, I trust him, and he says listen, I thought the exact same thing as you, but I gave it a couple more hours and it really explodes, then like, hell yeah, I'll give it another try. But like, again, like you said, you just have to treat your time so preciously. For sure. And like, I'm all for trying new things. You you only got so much time. (laughs) We're, We're not all gonna live forever. And like you said, as an adult, like that time is so much more precious exactly Can I say that as a 21 year old with no family living on his own? How old are you, dude? 21. God damn, you're so young. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> I'm I'm 28. I'll hit the big 3-0, and you'll 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 help me uh, dig my own grave. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, so I I I I like that mentality. I, I I'm so glad that like we can proliferate that. I think that's something that needs to get out there in gaming because the problem is that people feel that whole kind of situation where it's like, I feel like I'm missing out. You know, and it's like just because somebody else is enjoying something to a certain degree, like I have people on my timeline saying that they're fucking crying playing Kingdom Hearts 3. That it is mm-hmm. such an emotional and gratifying experience. Of course I'm not going to get that experience. No matter how many hours I pour into watching yeah. goo- Goofy go, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but I, I still think it's... A, I have different reasons for approaching that game. And especially some of it is just me trying to understand my boy Daniel. Because <laughs> yeah. he loves the series. But even he comes in and goes like oh, man, I don't know if you're going to be able to tolerate what I just went through.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, oh, that, like, with with Kingdom Hearts 3, right, like, there's been so many people saying, like, do not even speak of it online or else I'm going to be pissed because they want to go in completely blind because they care about that game so much. And that's good. That's fine. Like, I, I, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody. Yeah. My thing, I love Final Fantasy 13 for my own personal reasons probably got close to a hundred comments on that goddamn final fantasy article. Oh God. I'm wrong. People agreeing with me, yada, yada. Nobody, no matter what they say, could take the reason I love that game away from me. Again, like some people go into games like that, like kingdom hearts three with the wrong mindset, especially if you're reading reviews, which Mm -hmm. I I feel like we're just doing one big loop, like going back in the stuff we talked before. Uh, I, I was reading on N4G uh, yesterday uh, about this guy who gave it like a four out of ten. That again, that's a reason why I don't like review scores because you know some guys clicking on it like okay let's see this fucking piece of shit <laughs> Four four of ten like they they go into it with just the wrong mindset like it doesn't <laughs> matter what other people care. That's not that shouldn't deteriorate from you liking the game, personally. Yeah, you know? and
0: I think that's that's one thing that I had to also like shirk uh, from my younger years, which is trying to like defend stuff and make people see my point of view. And it's more about yeah. like. Like me and Daniel like we talk about this a lot about the safe room too cuz we had that discussion where it's like what the hell are we? We're not like games journalists and we're not in the industry. I was like we're influencers and we're like yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh I I found myself just defending like no, this is why you should like this. This is why it's good. And then I realized like no, it ain't like that, homie. Other people like different things for a variety of reasons. I feel yeah. like I feel like a lot of people spend too much try- time trying to get their own opinion validated by strangers mm-hmm. and it's just not the way to go say that i dig this game for this this and that and like you know you could be telling me something where it's like oh ooh, i exactly don't like that kind of genre and that's why i'll probably never get into that like you're not going to spend time trying to argue with me about that you know it doesn't make sense i've already like positioned it that way i don't know it, it, it it's such an interesting thing because i do see just like you i see the comments out there I see the threads. I see people just like having this hard ass stance on things where they just say, this is absolutely bad no matter what. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. Because this one thing I didn't like. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> That's not a good enough reason. I, you know, I think a lot of people's man, I am preaching so hard tonight. Not a lot of people's like problems in life kind of and is very apparent on the Internet and with video games. It's just going into situations with the wrong mindset. Just be open. Realize that people have opinions, personal feelings, emotions. I just wrote uh, at 3 o'clock, I published my 100th published article about my favorite YouTube channel, Normal Boots. And they do a show called Madness where they just debate games. Like they put two games up against each other in a bracket system. They debate it for half an hour. Why one game is, is better than the next. And just the comments are, F you, this game should have won. Like, oh, this should have happened. They should have talked about this, yada, yada. and Or like, oh, I'm unsubscribing because this game didn't win. It's like, how are you going into this with that kind of mindset? How do you not realize that these five separate people value different things than you and they're not. they don't have the time to cover every aspect of this game that you might like? Like, yeah, you might think it's unfair and I've definitely thought some episodes of the show are unfair, but I'm not getting so pissed off that I'm shunning their channel for the rest of my life. I think as myself, as a content creator, I try to, everyone says they're like building their own community around their content and like that obviously makes sense. I don't think I'm necessarily doing that, but I definitely try to push people back who I would not want in my own community. So with my Final Fantasy article where I'm defending 13 and shitting on 15 a bit, there was people like, "Wow, this is so incredibly wrong! Like, this guy's an idiot." And then I'd just be like, "But did you read the article? Like, did you not exactly? <laughs> like, just admit you didn't read it." And then there's there's actual criticism where people are saying, uh, going through every aspect of what I said. Not arguing, but debating with me, agreeing with me on some some things, and that's the type of conversations I want to have. You really gotta push those people out that are just being negative to be negative, and are being s- such dickheads that <laughs> that their mind is 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 never gonna be changed. And like I said, I absolutely love Final Fantasy 13. the bottom of my heart but it is a flawed game it is deeply deeply flawed it has a ton of problems and it is not for everyone and you have to realize that about any game whether it's ocarina of time the witcher 3 half-life 2 whatever like everything has problems everything probably has a lot of problems but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it and it doesn't mean you can't recognize it when you're talking about it in a friendly manner Even with a stranger. Like you just got to go into it with with the right mindset. Even if it's Kingdom Hearts 3. Even if you've been waiting for 13 years for that goddamn game. Even if you've gotten a free PS4 with it and got the game for free and you fucking hated it in the end. Okay?
0: (laughs) Uh so so what you're trying to say is that you really enjoy fifteen. I think that's what let <laughs> that, that, that that we'll edit it that way. <laughs> yeah. Just
1: edit it so it's like I really love fifteen. <laughs> it's very choppy.
0: Yeah. I, I think what it all really stems to when it comes to like, you know, the, these debates and people picking each other apart over nothing is that it's not easy for people to digest that there are shades of gray. You know, they want it to be black or they want it to be white. It's not easy for someone to just be like, hey, my favorite game of all time. Somebody just shit on it. They must be wrong. It's like, oh, no. What if they legitimately had a bad time where take, for instance, a survival horror game? I, I, I think RE2 is beyond excellent but somebody else out there might be like this is a really difficult game for me to get across or get into and every time a game tries to scare me i hate it yeah. that is a val that's still a valid opinion i don't think they're wrong at all that just means this genre is not for them people like you're saying need to have that openness and understand where somebody's coming from but it's hard to when somebody is just coming out like in your mentions going like Fuck this, this sucks. And it's like,
1: there's not a lot of depth to your argument, my guy. <laughs> just gotta come at them with logic and facts. And like that's not gonna like scare them away and then be like, oh God, sorry, I'm an idiot. I'll just stop. But it it'll definitely like I said, it'll just push people back from kind of the more negative mindset that that the internet naturally attracts. Again, like I said, I've written a hundred articles. And I thought for sure on, like, the first one I ever did, like, somebody would probably give me a death threat or call me an idiot. But, like, the positivity is astounding. Even on the Final Fantasy article, like, Mm. the amount of good comments definitely outweighed the bad. And, like, I think two or three of uh, my team members on Game Savvy joined because I met them because of that article, because they loved it so much. Like, that's the kind of community you should strive to be a part of. Not some dickhead yelling at people. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. And I think
0: that's that's the kind of stuff that I respond to as well. I I like it when somebody comes in and just goes like, this is cool shit. Or I'm glad that somebody has a has an opinion that even if I don't agree with it, it, like it's thought out. And I can kind of engage with it. You know, I I like that, too. I don't like people coming in just trying to troll for the sake of trolling. Like, especially when I stream and stuff, people try to come in and act like an asshole. And i just like, I don't really want to tolerate that because I don't want to reward that. And I don't want to I don't want to give them exactly what they want, which is a rise. It's like, hey, out with the bad and <laughs> with the good. <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly what we need to just keep in mind, especially in gaming. Because for some reason the gaming is volatile we're we're talking about like you know interactive experiences i don't understand why we have to draw lines in the sand about those experiences it's why they make more than one it's not because they're trying to make a sovereign nation of only this type of game is good no they're trying to hit the entire market and give different people that wouldn't be interested in into a thing to rope them in be like hey man this is for you (laughs) i i don't understand why people see that And take it as an opportunity to seize upon people with different mindsets.
1: Totally nonsensical. It's realizing from the very first comment, you can tell uh, how rational someone is going to be and whether you're going to enjoy speaking to them. You know, the whole point of a debate is to have your opinion heard and have maybe change someone's mindset a little bit. And you can definitely do that even on the Internet. But you can tell right away whether that's going to happen or not. The, the easiest way to just to just not deal with it is to not deal with it. Don't even respond to it. Things like the whole console wars bullshit. Like, don't even acknowledge it. Don't talk about it. Don't talk to people. If somebody on your timeline is being annoying about it, just block them. It's fine. Like, you know what I mean? It's childish. Arguing with people online is childish unless it's, it's for a legitimate reason. The other night, somebody was commenting on... Uh, One of my writer's articles about uh, how she uh, no longer feels bad about not being good at games and she didn't like playing games in front of other people because she felt judged and this absolute dickhead commented that oh she has problems she's just afraid of challenge she has some real bad mental issues clearly i was like no nowhere in the article does she state that she doesn't like challenge she just does not like playing games in front of other people because she feels judged which is exactly what you're doing right now. Like, I wonder if you're the person she's writing about. That's it. That's all you have to say. I don't have to, like, try and just dest- destroy this guy's life. And, you know, he could have been even worse and maybe responded back and just kept fighting with me. But mm-hmm. it's it's all about picking and choosing your battles. And 99% of the time, you just shouldn't even even decide to go into it to begin with. Be positive, people. Come on. That's what it is.
0: I feel like it's it's way easier to feed in negativity and it's way easier to engage in negativity. It's so easy to just be like fuck this and then hit send. I feel like all you have to think to yourself is what is the point of saying that especially to a stranger?
1: It I find it this is this is a mm, a big word. I find it disgusting oh. how how people like when I tweet something negative, how much more people respond to it? in a positive note they're like yeah man like life fucking sucks like oh this is shitty yada 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 and they retweet it and they like it and they comment on it meanwhile where i'm like yo life is good today i'm so happy to be what to do what i'm doing i got lots of work done and i get like two likes on it it's like why why don't people like that why aren't people glad that i'm doing well and i'm not saying like like, oh, I want you to like what I'm doing. I'm just saying that I want you to respond to something positive, not negative.
0: No, but I, I do feel you on that. I, I The whole push towards positivity is like, I, I I think there's circumstances where it doesn't make sense to be like 100% positive. I'm not saying be blind to negative aspects of stuff. No, but definitely it's, but it, not. Yeah, it's how you phrase that conversation. It's how you start with it. So when you start with fuck that shit, that is not a nuanced debate. When you get into it and just be like, hey, this delivers here, but this part was disappointing for X, Y, and Z, that is a much more structured and thoughtful sentiment because you're not just dismissing something entirely. Certainly try not to dismiss uh, a piece of work that multiple people worked on and certainly do not dismiss a human being <laughs> in the yeah. same way. Like, I, I hate that, what that you're saying. When somebody wrote an article on your site put their put their heart and their opinion into something and somebody just came and goes like it's like fuck off man what was the point you have to go out of your way to be an asshole
1: that's what sucks about the internet is it's just faceless right like this the writer she has feelings like she's put like you said she's putting her heart out there yeah you you could comment on it and like I, i don't think you should even really criticize something like that like that's literally just being mean to someone like, yeah, maybe you could say I like challenging video games like that's that's why I play it. But she doesn't like again, it just feeds into this whole thing of of having your own personal preferences of why you play games, what you like, what kind of genre, yada, yada, yada.
0: That's what it is. That's what it is. Alrighty, Sterling.
1: <laughs> Let's Res- do
0: it. Resident Evil. Have you played the original game? I still have my copy. You still have your copy for the PS or sorry,
1: PS1? I never beat it. I, you know, I'm 21. I probably had the game when I was like seven. Scared the living shit out of me. But uh, when I saw that first trailer, like people knew it was coming, right? Yeah. But that first trailer was so good. I was like, I am buying this game day one. (laughs) Love Resident Evil. It's such a great franchise. I love horror even though I get scared so easily. It's such a great game. It blew my mind.
0: You know, it's what's funny, you you mentioned it earlier where we are talking about, like, you know, uh, kids playing Fortnite and how it informs their habits growing up. I had to wonder to myself, what would Kevin look like if I didn't pick up Resident Evil 2 for the Nintendo 64 all the way back in 2000 when I was 10 years old? I have to wonder, because it's, because this series is so intrinsic to like my interest and the way I think about stuff to the point where like it's item management and it's, it's um kind of working through puzzles and situations and having to like, kind of be smart about how you use items kind of just helped me in real life with like organization and, and Mm -hmm. the way that I approach situations more. So when shit goes wrong in my life, I do not panic and resident evil taught me to do that because something's jumping out of a grate breaking through a door Uh, mr x is fucking kicking down doors trying to choke me out essentially and i just look at it and go
1: okay how do we get through when i was doing my second playthrough i was was playing as claire i was like i got this i know things like i know what to do and i turn the corner to the star's office and out pops mr x and i felt like i was playing the game for the first time i was literally just like oh and i just turned my tail and ran but yeah like you said like games like just those first few have such a crazy impact and i think resident evil in itself even transcends that my first experience with resident evil was two and then four and then i played five and six in high school and even back then i was like these don't feel like how i remember resident evil Yeah. And then I watched Game Grumps play Resident Evil 1. And like Aaron was actually good at it. And I really, really enjoyed it. I watched it literally uh, around Halloween. uh, And that was two years ago. So that was when I was uh, basically 20. And it was so good that that is now Resident Evil 1 is now my standard for things like atmosphere and gaming, uh, remakes in general, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: things like an inventory system. Because it is such a well made game. And when it comes to survival horror, it is one of the best. Now, I think Resident Evil 2, the remake is like even better, like without a doubt. I think it speaks volumes to how good a game is when it has that much of an impact later on in life.
0: I yeah, I totally I totally agree. like it, it's so interesting how everything from end to end in Resident Evil 2 the remake, the, all those components are there in the original game. The item boxes, uh, how how the weapon system works, your inventory slots, it's all there, but they it's almost like they looked at every aspect of the game and said, how do we recontextualize this to make sense again? So it's these little quality of life changes that just overall make the game like 10 times better than what it could have been. You know, they could have just kept all the same systems and been like, eh, deal with it, but they didn't do that. They decided yeah. to give us little things like, hey, when you look at your map, it'll show you if, if you missed an item in a room what i spent yeah. so many so many hours as a kid backtracking back and forth through the rpd because i couldn't find a certain key and it's like just just to do that for me i was like well thank you <laughs> it's not a standard remake you know not even well, it's not even like a remake like shadow of the colossus is kind of like a one for one where it's like hey same experience but like way better graphics like no it, it's it's all of the game is there, but it's like they looked at every com- like component and area and was like, how do we expand this? How do we make this new again? How do we scare people with the same things? And I love the conclusions that they came through Like throughout it, where the RPD, though familiar if you play the original, is different. It's got new levels to it. It's got new areas. Uh, there's mm-hmm. new surprises to it. The puzzles are a little different they remade the expectation of the game rather than just doing like a one for one of the original i don't even know if remake is like a proper it's like a reboot make mastering it's everything yeah how how far have you gotten into it by the way
1: oh i I beat uh leon a and then i'm i'm like three quarters of the way through claire b i really want to do like like the uh, hunk stuff and even the Tofu Survivor. I don't even get what that is. <laughs> um, it, it was in the original, and they said, "By yeah. God, we have to have it in the new one." <laughs> Good, like like you said, they really took not even. I guess like they took so little in a way. Not to say that like the original wasn't little. They took that and just multiplied it by a hundred. So when they did Resident <laughs> Evil Six, right? The way they marketed it was, this is the, everything Resident Evil is in one game. Everything ah. the series has been, this is the the ultimate experience. Now, it obviously fucking was not.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, it's like, oh really? How interesting of you to say, because I think it's the opposite of Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah, it is the
1: farthest thing from Resident Evil. Uh, but that's just yeah. the way they, they showed it off as... Now, I think Resident Evil 2 Remake is everything good about Resident Evil. It's Resident Evil 2, which is, in my opinion, one of the best. It has uh, Resident Evil 4's gameplay, which is uh, the perfect mixture of scary and in action. And it has the graphics of Resident Evil 7, which are gorgeous and terrifyingly detailed. Um, And it even has, like, Obviously, Mr. X is, is like the prelude to Nemesis and stuff like that. Like it's just everything that makes uh Resident Evil and Survival Horror so good. This
0: is the trophy of Resident Evil. It is everything that the series has done well, plus some new surprises to really just tie that package together. Where I feel like through the last few titles, they kept on experimenting and changing what the definition of a Resident Evil game is because they're trying to hit it again, because they just didn't know how to replicate all what exactly really struck a nerve with fans because even part four as great as a game as it is that doesn't necessarily speak to everything that resident evil did you know it's not a horror game I, i will say that over and over it has some horror dress up but it is through and through a tightly paced action game so to marry that they finally took that where this game part two is so well paced Whereas I think that like, you know, some of the older games could be a little bit of a slog, especially with some of its backtracking. This game did a perfect way of making that exciting, making that like, hey, there's a flow to this game. And the way, first of all, this game is a masterclass in level design. It is the original RPD, but they tie it together so well where one area feeds into another. that I am astounded sometimes where I was just like, oh, shit, this all makes sense. I, I don't know if it's because like the original game was a fixed perspective with the camera, whereas this one, you could very much see that, hey, if I look through the the waiting room, I can actually see into the West office. That's something a PS1 couldn't have <laughs> ever managed, you know. <laughs> the way that it unspools the way that it goes through, especially its third act, where it's still surprising me. Uh-huh. I just love what they did with this game. and I it does beg the question though, and I, I want to get your opinion on this. Where do they go now? What are they going to do? Everyone's obvious answer would be do part three, just like this. But wh- where do you think that you want to see Resident Evil? Because there's still... RE7 was a hit too. Obviously something to that gameplay that we would want to see
1: continue. So how do they do it? I feel like video games are a much more transparent form of media. So you can see the the thoughts behind the, the executive decisions. So you can you can see in your mind... When Resident Evil 4 came out and it's time to make Resident Evil 5, they said, okay, it's it's time to plan the new game. What do we do? And somebody said, well, the game was more action-oriented, so why don't we just do more action? That's what people like. That's what people bought. That's what made us money. We'll just do more of that. And I think that definitely fed into the creation of, of the Resident Evil 2 remake and obviously did wonders and I think the popularity of the horror jo- genre in the past few years has definitely made them think about going back and obviously just the criticism they got for 5 and 6. And I I do think they're on the cusp of something special again. Obviously, RE2 Remake is special. It's super special. I, I knew from after my sec- my first playthrough I was like I'm gonna like be replaying this game for the rest of my life. Like <laughs> but as to what they do for R E eight, I'll go like critical analysis first and then wish list. Sure. sure. What I think they do. It's, it's obviously a mashup between first person or over the shoulder. They're obviously never going to do fixed camera again. In my opinion, first person is more scary because your vision is limited. You can kind of do t- different things with lighting and whatnot. There's also VR, like they did with, with Resident Evil 7. With the popularity of Resident Evil 2 Remake, they might go to that that Resident Evil 4 style of gameplay again, not action oriented, I just mean over the shoulder camera. And then with characters, I think think they'll go Leon again, in my opinion. I think they'll do a more traditional style, single player, and maybe even feed off the kind of popularity of Leon because of the Resident Evil 2 remake. I think it would make sense. I personally think he's the best protagonist in the series. I pray to God they do not make the game co-op. I I do not like that in a horror game at all. It instantly makes it a hundred times less scary. <laughs> I enjoyed playing RE5 and 6 with a friend, but it just the game was not scary to begin with. But even if it tried to be, it would not be. And I think story-wise, my thing with Resident Evil is that I don't think it has the best story.
0: Mm. I
1: think it has the basis for a fantastic story and a fantastic horror story, but they've they've gotten too mismatched. There's too many storylines going on, too many characters involved, and I don't know if you can answer this for me, but like when do you ever can see Resident Evil ending? And that's the problem with video games in general. When do these stories end, right? How many Resident Evil games have there been? And I'm not saying I want them to end. I'm just saying that when you start a story, you want it to end at a certain point. Yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting comment because Resident Evil is one
0: of the few uh, franchises in gaming that actually has a persistent timeline rather than having been already rebooted or retooled or remade mm-hmm. like like Tomb Raider or... Or what have you? Whatever amount of franchises. I think Yakuza is the only other one that has a persistence timeline that sticks with Part One and goes all the way to Part Six. So it, it makes it makes this game kind of an oddity because what you what you have here is that there's a bunch of fans that are attached to different characters as they've been introduced through the franchise, and they want to see these characters return. But it's also a horror story that deals with outbreaks and, and hapless heroes fighting evil corporations. So like it, it begs the question, like it doesn't even make sense. Why would you why would Chris Redfield ever return to the same shit? over and over again you know it's like when you get a horror movie sequel and you're just like so why the hell did we rope in the survivor from the first movie again she escaped jason Voorhees. why would she ever do this again
1: (laughs) um i saw people mention that with the criticism of like five and six is that like the difference between resident evil 2 and 6 is that in the second one leon is scared along with with the player he doesn't know what's going on either and that feeds into the atmosphere of the game. He is scared along with the player. Where in Resident Evil 6, he's giving one-liners and shooting people in the head like it's no business. Yeah. Like you said, like how do we keep bringing these people back? How do we give them a motivation? How do we choose who to put in one game? I'd like to know your comments on why they chose the story for Resident Evil 7 as they did. Because obviously you've played it and there's no real connection besides... I'll just say it like Chris in the end.
0: Yeah, I I I think cuz Resident Evil 7 even was just like it's kind of a conceptual reboot, but it's still within the continuity. It's still it still lives in the same world as the Raccoon City outbreak and it still has obviously Chris and it still has allusions to uh, Umbrella. And I think I think that approach is better where you start to make the franchise kind of a horror anthology but still have a kind of a consistent universe without you know forcing the audience to digest things like oh we brought back jill valentine it's like why would she ever return she was literally literally hypnotized by wesker and turned into some sort of uh, ninja it doesn't make sense that this person would be like sign me the fuck up (laughs) like it doesn't yeah Yeah, so it's kind of mirror what you're saying about like how they go forward i don't even think the question is about making part eight first person versus uh third person because i feel like they have an opportunity here where they have two pathways for the franchise, which is mm-hmm. they could have remakes where they go do Resident Evil 3 again. Maybe they touch code Veronica. Maybe they keep on playing with that
1: idea. Definitely remaking 3, without a doubt, now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. In fact, I, I hear rumors that the, they've already green lighted the game and they're just playing mm-hmm. coy about it because, like, you know, obviously they don't want to show off too much too early. But yeah. Capcom is known for doing that. Actually, production of Resident Evil 6 started about. Like three or four months after Part Five even release, so they're pretty yeah. quick about this kind of thing. I I think they 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 knew they had a monster on their hands. It's why they marketed it like a triple A game. First of all, I'm so impressed. No other remake of a game has been treated like an event. You know, yeah. like it's always like ah, it's a remaster or a walk down the uh, memory lane. Like this game was like, no, it's a new game. I but think it's, it's, it's also a remake.
1: They it's because they did it so well that that people treated it like a new game. They just updated it, uh, reworked things so well that it felt like a new Resident Evil game.
0: Right, even though it's built on the back of things that the franchise has done, like you're saying, like it's got the old-school style with the uh, over-the-shoulder perspective of RE4, it's got the graphics of 7, but when you combine these into a new milkshake, it's it's a new product. It feels like a new product through and through because we haven't seen all of these tenants thrown into one game together, and it's it, it's the winning formula. So obviously, don't abandon that. But I also still think that if they're going to do a Part 8... It would continue on with the current day continuity Mm -hmm. and still do the first person perspective thing because they would obviously want to keep on supporting VR and keep on doing it that way. But then that doesn't mean we're not going to see where it's like one year it's RE8, the next year it's a remake of three. I I think that's what they're going to do because they've always tried to do a sub series. If you remember, they always like Revelations was supposed to be like the sub series to the main titles. That didn't quite land the way that they wanted to, but Capcom seems to do that with their franchises where it's like, let's make sure there's at least something coming out rather than taking like a five-year break on something because I don't know that they can
1: (laughs) with some of their franchises. I'm just, I'm very excited for the future of Capcom because they're doing so well and they're catching a stride. And I think this is kind of a tipping point. They They can either go hey, let's just do the same of what we've been doing. Clearly, people like it. Or they can say, let's do better. Let's try and innovate more and, and try and create better things and, and build off previously. I think to clarify my comment before about the Resident Evil storytelling is that they just need to tidy it up, just make it more of like an anthology series in a way. But also, again, like it's such a di- difficult balance to stay true to old fans but also innovate. Because, like, fuck yeah, I want to see Leon again. Like, Ada Wong. Like, I'd even take Chris every now and then. (laughs) And, like, that's the thing. As a consumer, we need to hold storytelling to a better standard or else people are just going to get away with shitty storytelling. And we're all guilty for liking shitty stories and, like, bad continuity. Oh, yes. God God goddamn if I don't like the 50th season of Doctor Who... Like, I want them to do better with Resident Evil, but, like, I again, I want Leon to be the protagonist of number eight. Mm-hmm. I want Barry Burton to show up for some goddamn reason. Like, just stuff like that. And I, I just think striking that balance will be really difficult going forward, but I have some sort of faith. I'm optimistic, for sure. Whoever is on their dev staff right now, you
0: got yourself the golden team, yeah. you know? We, you have a team that, like, I'm playing RE2. I'm going through it. First of all, full disclosure, I platinumed that game. It's, yeah. it's only been out a week, and I platinumed RE2. I beat it eight times through. I couldn't <laughs> stop playing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I the thing that struck me was that every inch of that game, I could tell the people that were making it love the franchise as much as I do. Yeah. These aren't people walking in going, like, eh, I don't know what Resident Evil's really about. Here's some graphics and some zombies. No, they really thought about every aspect. How do we make zombies scary again? Make them tough. How do we make Mr. X scary? <laughs> make him follow you everywhere. How do we make this area interesting? Expand it, you know? And it seems like you would only be able to get that from people that understand the series. So I'm I feel confident about where they're gonna go. Even if it's as simple of an answer as, hey, the next thing we're doing is RE3. I'm just like. Good. Good. I can't I can't get mad at that because I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to remake that game with the vision that you have now for the franchise. I think that'd be super dope. I think it gets a little confusing though when you start looking at other titles that are actually a little more modern. Like does a does a remake of part four make sense? Because it doesn't really even follow the tenets of a Resident Evil game. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I'm not playing Resident Evil 2, and when a zombie dies, they don't melt into the ground and leave ammo glowing on the floor that is definitely something that happens in part four so it's like how do you marry that that campy video gamey style with the very hard horror grounded approach that they did with re2 and i think the answer is you don't i think they're probably asking themselves those hard questions too behind the scenes like shit, we hit gold but how do we keep on going on with this gold you know? Even with Part 8, even if it's something where it's like, okay, well, we don't remake, though. We don't keep on remaking titles. Maybe we can only really do the Raccoon City era, but then our Part 8 is so informed by what we did with the remakes that it almost feels like an extension of that gameplay and universe. I think that would be like a happy medium if they didn't just go straight for the uh, first-person kind of perspective like they did in RE7. That might be something, too.
1: When, when do you think we get re8 next year the year after i think that's the the general release window Mm -hmm. i i agree i think that we're going to get another resident evil
0: game within two years however whether it's part three or part eight i don't know actually i've been hearing a lot of conflicting things and obviously we won't know for sure until capcom just outright comes out and says it but i i i wouldn't be surprised if the next game is also a remake I would be like, yep, that tracks because it isn't like it isn't just like a cash grab in my mind. It's not like they're just remastering old games. They built this game from scratch. So how could you not view it as a main title? Nonetheless, I think two years from now, for sure, we're going to see something. And in the in the in kind of in between, maybe we'll see some other side project, uh, maybe another Revelations game. Maybe
1: personally, just the dream of RE8 just needs to be storytelling. It needs. I, get, I I don't know what they could do. I like where they could take the story that would make me interested. My favorite story in the Resident Evil franchise is two. Let me ask you this: What's yeah. your favorite aspect of horror?
0: Ooh, now that's a broad question. Yeah, you did ask the right person because I. <laughs> Love horror movies, I love horror games, Resident is my favorite series. I think my favorite aspect of horror, it does come down to kind of a storytelling component, but it's more so about, uh, I think with horror, more than any other genre, you can tell any kind of story that you want, any story. It could be in space, it could be uh, uh, in a submarine, it could be in a house, it could be in the woods. Horror happens everywhere because people have one thing in common, they get afraid, you know? So
1: you'd say you'd say versatility is is the best aspect.
0: Yeah, I You've I think the better. versatility of that, of of what you're trying to go for, because you know you have supernatural horror, and what I really like about Resident Evil, especially part two. Is that there's a grounded basis for the horror. It's not just like Mm -hmm. monsters are coming from hell or are coming from space. These creatures are created through corporate corruption and overreach. And that is, I think that's Resident Evil at its best when you can relate to it actually happening. That's why I think like four, five, and six, the story, not a big fan, because it turns into this whole like global domination plot. There there's actual villains and it just gets a little too over the top. It doesn't like like I don't see our reality in those games.
1: Exactly. It that's perfect because what what my favorite aspect of it it's just one word. Dread. Dread. Let, let me give you an example and I am totally taking this from someone else. You're in a dark hallway. You it's you know, it's spooky, the lights are low, yada yada, it's storming out and there's something at the end of the hallway. And one scenario, it's just a zombie. You know what it is. It's, you know, moaning, groaning, it's dead. You'd you'd be pretty spooked, right? Like, it's still pretty scary. Yeah, I would agree. I would say if I saw something dead and walking, I would have some problems. Yeah. Now, let's go to scenario B. There's something down the hallway, but you don't know what it is. You can't really see it that well. You don't know its intentions. You're confused what's more scary
0: the unknown
1: exactly yeah. and i feel like that sense of dread is just perfect in re2 mm-hmm. and not 100 because there's a, like a fear of the unknown because like you you know like it's it's there's zombies and if you play the first game like umbrella and whatnot sure but it's the atmosphere it's raccoon city is dead it is done it's on its last legs when uh even though when you go into the rpd as leon like he's expecting to to like find other officers you the player know in your heart it's done there <laughs> ain't nobody it has that per perfect atmosphere of just dread and macabre and I think that's what makes horror truly good is when you have that mystery. Cause there's still tons of mystery in Resident Evil. Uh, let's say you haven't played the series and you're going up to that uh, flaming helicopter that you just doused and Mr. X picks it up and fucking throws it across the room. <laughs> if I've never played Resident Evil, I'd be like, what the fuck is that? Like, like I'd be pretty damn confused. And same <laughs> with like just liquors and even how the zombies The placement of them, how they act in general. Like, they did such a good job of making that scary again. And to new players, having that sense of dread. Like, Raccoon City as a setting is so good. uh, An entire city on its last legs, literally about to get nuked. And you play as this cop and this terrified girl looking for her brother. And... That's it. You just have to survive the night. Like it's it's just a it's a horror wet dream. <laughs> and I fucking love it. Yeah,
0: I I think you touched on it perfectly with that that dread. I I've played a lot of horror games and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm used to it. I've been mm-hmm. through it. Some of them don't scare me. Some of them like are just like I'm not exactly scared, but I did jump because it's a jump scare. That that that's just like a reaction I have. In this game, it is a combination of how it uses lighting, shadows, sounds, and just its its methodical pacing where there is instances in the game where I felt like I was when I was 10 playing the game for the first time again where I was like, I am nervous to open a door. I don't know what's on the other side. I don't know what's going to be there. I may have an idea, probably a zombie, but I'm still afraid because Capcom did such an amazing job of – reinstituting that dread that has been missing from the series for a while. Because I, I think the balance is that they always struggled with was playability and horror. Mm-hmm. And the answer that they kept on coming back to was like, you know, and fans were saying it too. It's like, oh, the old ones are scary because they're harder to play, the controls, and it was like, no, 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 no. This game burns that argument down. This game plays very well. It feels <laughs> great, and it's still scary as fuck. So that argument's gone. The playability needs to still be there for a horror game. You, you don't you don't level against the player that way. You find other ways to make it interesting, like the ammo conservation and how hard the enemies are to fight, and them coming after you, and and using your environment to actually get through it, it, that's how you approach it i want to see more of that going forward
1: i think the one thing about the unknown is like obviously re games are famous for backtracking so yeah. when i was playing re2 i i think i was trying to get back to the weapons locker or maybe The save room by that staircase. And I was running through and I bust through the west office. And I bust through the door and the liquor screams at me. And I jumped, paused the game, and sat there. Like, with my eyes closed, like, I could feel my heart. I, like, needed to calm down. And I just paused the game for, like, ten seconds. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, that is how you you make someone uncomfortable, you make them fear the unknown. Like, I went back to somewhere I thought was safe and it was not. Like, that is so good. It's perfect, it, it's playing on
0: expectations and that's what you do with horror. You exactly. surprise people, you know? And I, I think this game, like I said, even throughout, even throughout, when you go, I was still getting jolts left and right and, and just going like, oh my God, what's next? in the last 20 minutes of the game, when you get to the, the nest, the nest is such a cool area, by the way, I didn't want to spoil it too much, but the nest is so cool. I loved what they did with the underground laboratory. It kills me how good it is. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful in there, but it's also horrible. The, the It's essentially the monster factory for raccoon city. It's so yeah. cool going in there, but I, I do. Uh, I, we, I think we talked about this on Twitter. You were mentioning kind of like, you would love to see, some sort of survival game in raccoon city that maybe isn't like stuck being a remake or or attached to some of the lore and i came at you and i was
1: like hey that kind of exists it was just stuck on the ps2 yeah my idea is kind of like a imagine like call of duty zombies mm-hmm. but just the basis of that like facing rounds like hordes of zombies in like a round formula but you play as the original like rpd cops like like marvin and the rest of them and you just have to defend a small area in the police station like let's just say the the main hallway and they're just constantly coming at you maybe you can like prepare a bit like block off a window uh pick up some ammo or some green herbs or something and it's just it's just a survival like multiplayer game i think that would be so good to me that's fun what do you think like I think
0: I think the basis that we do have uh, cuz I, I think you're unfamiliar it's a Resident Evil
1: outbreak. Yeah, they, yeah they file made, 1 and 2, right?
0: Yeah, file 1 and 2 came out for the PS2 and it was uh you had to use a network adapter to do some co-op play, but the way that it was is that it had very segmented levels where it was kind of like small slices of what the main games were. So for instance, there's one part where you're going through the RPD but obviously you're not going through the full RPD but you solve a few puzzles, fight a few monsters and you have to like coordinate with your team like what items we, who has what, who's going to be like the healer, who's going to ha- like carry some extra ammo so we don't have to leave it behind. Like that that's what it was. On paper it sounded great but in implementation it was a rough game to get through. Like yeah. it was slow, uh loading times were god awful every time you opened up a door you remember those old old door animations imagine that but for like 20 more seconds for every door it didn't make any sense uh i think that you go maybe go back to that route try to like revisit that like you're saying make it like a cooperative experience where i mean i think in horror games single player is best for horror but that's why i always vote where it's like if you're gonna go multiplayer make a multiplayer component that's separate from mm-hmm. your main experience. So I feel like that's like this is an easy addition to like maybe part 3 remake where you're out there in the city or you're out there in the RPD defending stuff and you have to like coordinate like who's going to board up the windows and who's going to be like defense and stuff. I think that would be cool. Very yeah. very cool. Like I I'm I'm on board with that idea. Uh, especially if you're playing as some cops <laughs> from from the RPD the the hapless survivors that don't make it. I feel like that'd recontextualize the bent when you know, like, hey, they're really just trying to make it through Raccoon City, but
1: yeah, I don't think they are. <laughs> even even a prologue story of that, like of mm-hmm. what it was like in the first like few days of the outbreak in Raccoon City or like being one of the cops while that's happening and seeing how the RPD evolved into like that that hellscape. I think that yeah. would be so interesting and so like spooky because like one of my favorite things about uh zombie movies is like you know what's coming you just don't know when that sense of dread is so good and I feel like with the Resident Evil series plus that kind of story where like the Raccoon City story is is they're always talking about raccoon city in every damn game. Knowing that like you play as these cops and how just hopeless they are that they're screwed no matter what would just have the best atmosphere in Dread, in my opinion.